0: Good morning, church. Man, I tell you, I've got to get in better shape for uh, worship. I'm going to have to start exercising a little bit more because my lungs are spent today, but it's a good thing. I had to set out the last couple of stanzas because I knew I had to get up here and preach. But, man, I loved listening to your voices. Praise God this morning and lift up his name. It's a good day to be in church. Even if we got an hour less sleep, it's okay. Um, it's good. I'm so I'm so glad that you're here this morning. No one has excuses anymore. You remember you used to overslept. Our, our Our watches or our our phones, they just automatically reset. So there's no excuses anymore, but you had a choice to come to the first or second service. I know we'll have a little bit bigger second service this morning, uh, but I'm glad you chose to still come to the first today. We're glad that you're here. It's a good day to be a guest. It's a good day to invite a guest. Good day to be online. We want to welcome those of you that are joining us as well. It's good to be here. We're in a new series today uh, called Passion. Before I get to that, I want to just hit something that Pastor Aaron hit on. I just want to also extend my gratitude and thanks to to be a part of such a generous church that is for the next generation. It's just so awesome that uh, uh, you, over 250, um, attended um, our auction last... Just if you came and ate and bought a ticket, you did something to show that you're for our students, you're for our young people. So thank you. You may think you didn't do much, just your presence there, just you getting a ticket and eating a great barbecue lunch said that you cared about our students. So, so thank you for that. Uh, but then in addition, I just was not expecting us for us to pass last year's total. Uh, so for you guys to do that, and then the people, all of you that donated things as well, just thank you for your generosity. Appreciate it so much. Back to this. We're in a new series called Passion. Uh, The Jayhawks could have used a little bit more passion last night, that's for certain. There's a lot of things that we get passionate about um, these days. Uh, things that you're passionate about. It's things that I get passionate about. I mean, maybe uh, there's things that we want to be passionate about. Maybe you're here today because uh, you're either you're passionate for God or you want to be passionate for God. There's, 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 there's things that we're passionate about, our family, we're passionate about our, our, our kids. We're passionate about the Broncos. Well, you're not. I am. We're passionate about food and coffee. I mean, we're, there's a lot of things we get passionate about these days because passion is the fuel that drives our behaviors and our priorities. That's the way I would define passion. Passion is what fuels and drives our behaviors and priorities. In other words, we do what we're passionate about. We commit to things that we're passionate about. Some passions are fun and they're easy. They're, they, they come easy to us, but there's no real lasting benefits um, it's, they're easy to refuel on. I mean, you didn't have to tell me to watch the, the Jayhawks play ball last night. You would have to tell me to watch uh, other teams play basketball this, this weekend. And March Madness kind of coming into play. You don't have to tell me to do those things. I don't have to be fueled for, for that passion. But there's no really long-lasting benefits because our teams lose. <laughs> you know, they don't always win. There's not a lasting benefit uh, to those things. But there's other things in life. Where some passions, more, there's more work to it, it's more difficult, but they provide lasting benefits. And they require refueling and they require cultivating those passions. Things like exercise and healthy diet and, and relationships. Fueling uh, uh, passionate and, and positive relationships takes refueling, takes, it, takes enter, it takes energy, it takes cultivating. The next four weeks... We're going to talk about four passions that will fuel our lives but have long-lasting benefits. They're not easy, but they have long-lasting benefits and are beneficial for us. There's four things. You kind of saw in the video behind us, but the first one today is today is prayer. And if you want to pull out your notes today, I encourage you to pull those notes out today. If you're one of those that love notes, today is your day day, because there's lots of fill in the blanks. Um, But I would encourage you to do more than just fill in the the little blanks. If things that God speaks to you about, I encourage you to write those things down. Things that jump out to you that aren't in there, aren't planned. Put those put those on there. Last every week usually we talk to our daughters and we're like, how was your week? How are? we talk a lot more than a weekly, but Sundays we always usually talk. And one of the questions is, How was church today? They asked me, we asked them. And I was asking Reagan last week in Florida, how was church? How was church today? And she said, Church was awesome today. I took so many notes. Uh, it's a good thing that it kind of helps us to learn and to grow when we take notes. So I want to encourage you, pull your notes out because there's a lot. Uh, that we're going to go over today on this passion for prayer and the benefits to us. We're going to look at four questions today about prayer. Why, when, how, and what? Why pray? Uh, when do we pray? How do we pray? And, and what makes prayer, what, what breeds that passion? And so today, the first thing we're going to cover is the why pray. And I want to share just five quick things with you this morning about why we should pray. Uh, the first one is this. It's for reward. It's for reward may not be something that you think about when you think about prayer. is about a reward to it. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I love the New King James Version, or the King James Version that says, we'll reward you openly. Uh, that God wants to, and I, I think, I don't know what you're your upbringing or what your viewpoint of what God was. Maybe you thought God was, a, was, a, was a, a mean God with a magnifying glass on an ant. And he was just looking to come down hard on you. I don't know how often we even that have grown up in the church think about a God that wants to reward us. That he wants good for us. I I think of other words that Jesus said on this subject when he said that, you know, us that are earthly fathers, though we're evil, give good gifts to our children. How much more does our heavenly father, who's perfect, want to give good gifts to his kids? And I'm not talking about material gifts. Those sometimes happens. But I'm talking about real, lasting, meaningful gifts. The, The reward openly. God sees what we do in secret. And I want us to first think about how God wants to reward us. He wants our prayer life to be rewarding. He wants to reward us through our prayers. The second thing is lasting benefits. For physical training, Paul says, is of some value, but godliness is, has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. There are studies that are done, uh, secular studies even, that are done on the benefits of prayer. And people that, are, are, that pray, and we all pray, everyone prays. I believe even atheists pray. You know, in, in the moment of need when they're crying out, it's like, oh God, you know, they're just, they're, everyone prays. But what is the, some of the lasting benefits of, of those who have, studies that have prayed? There's, well, there's, there's shown that there's more peace for those who pray, there's less anxiety when we pray, uh, we're less angry when we pray. Uh, it makes relationships better. It makes our marriages better. I just, for one of the studies that I looked at this week, I was just wanted to read it directly to you. It says, this is from the Florida State University. Prayer can also help your marriage. According to several studies in Florida State University in Tallahassee, researchers there have found when people pray for the well-being of their spouse, when they feel a negative emotion in their marriage, you ever felt a negative emotion in your marriage? Oh, it's crickets in here. Yeah, we've all, every one of us have had negative emotions in our marriage. I don't know how good a marriage you have. We all have negative emotions in the marriage. But what happens is both partners, the one doing the praying and the one being prayed for, report greater relationship satisfaction. Prayer gives couples a chance to calm down, says Frank Fincham, eminent scholar of the College of Human Sciences at Florida State University who conducted the studies and it reinforces the idea that you are on the same team. Prayer has lasting benefits, relational benefits, benefits to our, our lives. Third thing is prayer is, is commanded. There's, there's an essence of obedience. There's an, there's an expectation that, that Christ laid that word to pray. He said this in Luke 18.1, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them, that they should always pray. That that it's it's just assumed that's what we do. That's what we're to do we're, we're, as followers, as believers. We're called to pray and to not give up. I just want to encourage you in this part of obedience that prayer is a uh, is an obedience. It, it sometimes, in fact, many times, uh, there's not great emotion with it. I, I love those moments. When I sense the sweetness of the Spirit and God feels so close, whether it's in my room or whether it's on a mountain or whether it's at the ocean, in those moments or times in prayer, I love it. We love it when, when God feels close. Everyone loves that. But the reality is, many times in our prayer, there's just mundane, just like any relationship. There's not always the high euphoria, and our feelings can betray us. Eat a bad slice of pizza. Our feelings can betray us. And so it's obedience. Not always do we feel on the mountaintop, but we are called and commanded and expected to pray. It's how we communicate, which is the next one. Number four, communion and confidence. Prayer, why pray? For communion and confidence. Communion with Christ Communion with his body, confidence in our relationship. Jesus said in 1 John 5, 14, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from Christ. Well, we can do things, but nothing of value. Nothing of significance, nothing that's lasting. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing of value, significance that's lasting. We're to remain in him. And we, one of the ways that we remain in him is through prayer, through communication with him. First John 5.14 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask anything that pleases him. So there's this element of a relationship in prayer. There's this element that any healthy relationship requires consistent communication, and it builds our confidence when we're in communication. If you want to breed doubt in any relationship, just have long-term separation. Have, have no communication. Go weeks on in without talking with that other person, and doubt will set in, and, and, and your confidence will subside. But when we're in relationship, when we're in close proximity, and we're in conversation, confidence grows. It's one of the things I hated about COVID as a pastor, I hated COVID for this reason. It, bre- it bred a lot of doubts, It bred. uh, It it didn't build confidence. What I mean by that is, everyone was watching online, and then 50% were watching online. And as they said, there's 20-30% that just didn't come back. We didn't know. We didn't know who that was. We, and when you're not in a relationship with people, when you're not seeing them Sunday after Sunday, it begins to breed doubts of, hey, how we doing? Or, or you know, how are they doing? And, and, and it breeds doubts in the relationship when there's not the constant uh, interaction and being together. It's one of the reasons I'm so encouraged when Pastor Nate tells me of someone else that's now connected in a life group. When he comes and he says, hey, got this, these four or five couples or these three or four individuals, I got them in this. We, once they're in a, a life group and they're a small group of people, my confidence grows in their connection to the church. Because I don't care how great the preaching is or how great the music is, or how great the children. If you're, if, you're, if you're not connecting with the body of Christ, with connecting with other believers, then that relationship is fragile. The preaching can be mediocre. The music can be mediocre. But if you can have strong connection and strong friendships in the body of Christ, there is a confidence from being in that. Same with our relationship with Christ and through prayer. The last thing is the commitment and cooperation. The last why of prayer is commitment and cooperation. Colossians 4, verse 2, excuse me, verse 2. The Apostle Paul says, devote yourselves or commit yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, Paul says, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. He's praying. He's asking the people, hey, let's pray. Let's pray that we'll be in cooperating, cooperating with the Spirit. We'll be cooperating with what God wants us to do. And would you pray for me that I would be in cooperation with what the Holy Spirit wants to do and the message he wants to share? There's a lot of whys, but those are some of the whys of why we pray. Secondly is, when do we pray? When do we pray? There's several things that pop up in this. First of all, when we're getting ready to the how in just a moment, but Jesus before that says, and when you pray, he told his disciples. It's the assumption, hey, this is, this is not an if thing. It's a when you pray. In, in First Thessalonians, uh, Paul said, pray continually. To the Philippians, he said, do not be anxious about anything. Do we have things that we're anxious about? It's okay to be anxious. It's, I've heard some people say you're, you're in sin if you're anxious. I'm sorry, I'm sinning a lot then. I mean, I have anxious thoughts. You have anxious thoughts. But we're told what to do with that anxious thoughts. We're told to cast our cares upon Him, to give them to Him, to to do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. That's one of those lasting benefits. When the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When do we pray? What I pick up from Scripture and from just these three verses here is pray as much as we can. Pray as much as we can. Pray as much as you can. I know it's not physically possible to pray every single second, every single moment. But to have a mindset and a thought of prayer. We begin our day with prayer. Start our day with Him so we're more mindful throughout our day. Just as things come up when watching the news... And we can get anxious about that. But rather than get anxious about all the bad news, what about if we pray? Ask God to intervene in those events. What about when the, the ambulance, when you hear the sirens or you see the ambulance or our first responders go by, what about if we pray for our first responders? What if we thank God for our first responders? What if, what if we pray for those who are going to be impacted by, the, by that, that call and who they're going to? What if we pray about that situation? What about on our way to work instead of just going to work? What if we pray for our coworkers? Pray God's blessings for them, blessings on their family. You have coworkers and you know they have things going on in their, in their lives. They've told you about praying for their son or their daughter, those things taking place. When we walk in the neighborhood to pray for our neighbors, when we're tucking our kids in at night. Oh, that's my, that's my favorite. Oh, I wish sometimes my girls were little again. That's one of my favorite things is when we tuck them in at night and when you pray together, and then when they, when they pray and you hear these little cartoon characters, you hear the little Mickey Mouse voices start to come out, oh, I miss those times. If you've got young kids and, and young families, don't miss the opportunity to tuck your kids in and pray with them at night. What a great opportunity. Pray when you're going to church. Don't just show up to church. Don't just get out of bed. But on your way to church, pray for the services that day. Pray for Pastor Dustin. Pray for the worship team. Pray pray for me. Lord knows I need prayer and I covet your prayers. But what if you as a family, instead of just getting in and arguing, which that happens, does it not? Doesn't some of our best arguments come on the way to work? (laughs) I mean, on the way to church, never happened, just me, that's only happened to us. Heather and I have not had a fight in like 23 years now. On, on Sunday mornings, I've told you this. You're new here. My people here that have been here, they know this. We haven't fought for 23 years on Sunday mornings because I leave about two hours before she ever gets up. <laughs> it's not even possible. But I know that you guys that come together, the devil does not like you coming to church. Sometimes those are some of the knockout, knockout, dragout. What if we just made a commitment? When we get in the car, first thing we're going to do on the way to church is we're going to pray. We're going to pray for the services. We're going to pray for our pastor. We're going to to pray that God would bless the new people coming through our doors, that they'll experience the love of God. They'll experience his grace and mercy in their lives. Then how do we pray? For that, we go to the Lord's Prayer this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says this. We'll read it all and then we'll unpack it all. It says, this then is how you should pray. It doesn't say what you should pray. It's okay to pray the Lord's Prayer. I prayed this prayer this morning, knowing I was preaching on this today. It's okay to pray the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus isn't saying, hey, just say this prayer every time. He gives us an how, a how, not a what. This is how you should pray. This is an example of how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, give us this day (laughs) our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's five things that are incorporated in this prayer. The first one is praise God. The first thing that we should do before we pull out our laundry list, which is okay. God wants to hear those things. The first thing that we should do is praise God. Bless God. When I was in Kenya a few years ago, every church that we went into, every school that we went into, every person that was introduced to get up to speak, the first thing they would say is praise God. And the whole congregation or the rest of the school would say praise God. And then they would say who they are and and what they were there for and what their their roles or responsibility, what they were going to preach on. Every single time the first thing was praise God. And the people responded praise God. We're to praise God. That, that's why we worship before we preach. We want our hearts to be in the right place. And so we worship God first. We praise God first. We, we could sing afterwards. We could preach first. But the reality is the, there's a reason why we do that. It's because we want to praise him first. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The second thing is we're to pray for God's will. We're to pray for God's will. Um, I like to think of the great uh, theologian's words on this, Garth Brooks. (laughs) Glad you get the humor in that. He sings a song, Unanswered Prayer. What if God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer? And I'm not minimizing, neglecting someone's, hurt and unanswered prayer. I don't pretend to understand the things, nor will I try to understand them. There's things that we so want to see God move and act and heal and do, and and sometimes he doesn't do that, and we don't understand why, but uh, I I do believe this, that life brings confusion, but eternity is going to bring clarity. This life brings confusion— but in the eyes of eternity, there's going to be clarity. It's, it's, it's going to make sense. There's things here that just aren't making sense on this side of earth. And we just need to accept that. But I believe there's another side of things that I believe that there's things that we pray for that, that maybe God doesn't answer the way that we want them to. But we're praying his will. And Garth Brooks wrote the song that what if what if and he was talking about a girl, you know, and maybe some of us are like, Thank you, Lord, <laughs> that wasn't the one you had for me. I can say that, thank you on a few situations. Thank you, God, it was Heather, not those situations. Thank you, God, for unanswered prayer. Thank you, Lord, for those thank you, God, for the unanswered prayer when Jesus prayed on before he went to the cross. Lord, if 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 we can do anything else, if there's any other way If there's a way out of this, if we can avoid this, if if we can still accomplish your will and not me go to the cross and not me suffer like this, please let it be. But nevertheless, your will be done. Aren't we thankful that Jesus prayed a prayer not for his benefit but for our benefit? That that His will, that the Father's will would be done, and because the Father's will was will it was done, we are here today with the hope of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, because of an unanswered prayer of wanting it to be something else, but willing to accept God's will. What is God's will? I don't have this in the verse today, but that verse from uh, about never stop praying is First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen. This is God's will. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Sometimes we get a grandiose idea of what God's will is. God's will is we're going to trust Him in all circumstances. We're going to go to Him for all things. We're going to entrust our lives to Him and we're going to praise Him. We're never going to stop praying. We're going to be grateful. The third thing, that, he, that the prayer is, 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 give us today our daily bread. That's our needs. We're pretty good at that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I don't know about you, but I'm an expert on giving God my needs. <laughs> it has no problem at all each day telling God, this is what I need. This is what I think I need. This is what I'd like you to do. I have no problem. I don't think we have a problem with that. But God wants to hear it. He wants us to share our, our daily needs. He doesn't tire of that. Don't think he ever tires of that. He wants to hear from us. And then forgive us our trespasses or forgive our sins as we forgive those who have sinned or trespassed against us. This is confession. This is the part of the prayer where we confess. And confession is good for the soul. In Psalm 19, David even prayed... Forgive me for my hidden faults, for my hidden sins, for my blind spots, for the things that I don't see. God, I, I just don't want anything to be in the way of our relationship. Have you ever had a, you know, this is another reason why Heather and I can't fight on Sunday mornings. Because I can't preach well on Sunday mornings. Or I can't preach to my best if if, we're, if things aren't right with us. There's been a few times that on a Saturday night we had to stay up into the midnight hours working things out because she and I both knew I wouldn't be able to preach the next day if things weren't right between us. There's there's something about confession. We want things to be right with God. Yes, his love and forgiveness, but if there's things in our life, God, I don't want anything. I don't want anything between us. I don't want anything to come between us and that's where we confess. And lastly, he said, and then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, we're asking God to lead us, guide us, direct us, help us to know the direction in which we should go. And finally this morning, the what. And really the what is what can you do to fuel your passion for prayer? Uh, we know the why, we know the, we, we know the how, we, we know the when, but what fuels our passion for prayer? What is passionate prayer about. Now I want to share first of you first of all a couple things before your notes that what passionate prayer is not. Passionate prayer is not emotionally driven. It doesn't mean there's not any emotion. I, I love it when there's emotion. I love it when there's that thrill and there's that excitement. But passionate prayer is not Emotion, emotionally driven. I, I heard a quote this week from, from Dallas Willard, one of the theologians at, uh, at Dallas Theological Seminary, who said this, Feelings make good servants but terrible masters. Feelings make good servants but terrible masters. Don't base your prayer life on your feelings. Be committed to it. Enjoy those times when when you just feel close, like you would in any relationship. When you're on vacation or something, or enjoying a highlight and a high moment, enjoy those moments. But don't base your prayer life and coming to God in prayer strictly on emotions. That it's got to be on a mountaintop experience or you haven't met with God. No, there's 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 a relationship, and there's a trust. And, and, and so don't base your prayer life. Passionate prayer is not emotionally driven. Secondly, it's not always impressive. Verse 5 of, of, of chapter 6, the Lord's setting up the, his, the Lord's prayer. And he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing on the synagogues and in the street corners to be seen by others. And then in verse seven, he says, "And when you pray, do not be like the babbling; do not go on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words." He's given us two examples of the Pharisees and the pagans of ways not to pray, and, and, and it's not always impressive. God is not impressed with how the words come out of our mouth. I've heard some people say, "Oh, it's such a beautiful prayer! It's such an eloquent prayer." It may be impressive to everyone else, but God's only impressed with the heart. He's not impressed with how good it comes out and how well it sounds. What God is impressed with is what the heart is. And so we're going to talk about what passionate prayer is. And you're going to, one of those things we'll kind of talk about that. What is passionate prayer? Passionate prayer is number one, it's devoted. It's devoted. It's, it's, it's a faithfulness. It's a, it's, a, it's a being diligent. It's setting as a priority. We talk about the first 15, it's, it's being committed. Acts two forty two. the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The early church, the early believers, they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to gathering as the church. But they were devoted to prayer. And, and there was a commitment to prayer. And it's not always easy. I think of it in a relationship of what you want to look for in a relationship. Uh, Pastor Ray Johnson in Sacramento, um, he has two twin daughters. They're getting close to, I don't know if they're late 20s, maybe 30. One's just recently married. One is single. But I know the advice that he's given his daughters that I think every father should pass on to their daughters is this. He said, when you're looking for a man, when you're looking for a man, look for a man who has committed himself to something that is really hard and difficult and he didn't quit and he didn't give up. Because when marriage gets hard and marriage gets difficult, you don't want a man who will easily quit, who will easily give up. There's a devotion. There's a devotion and that's the devoted is resolved not to easily quit or give up. Sometimes we do, but it's getting back up and not quitting. Secondly, passionate prayer is attentive. It's being alert and clear-minded. The Pharisees and, and the pagans, they babbled. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is there, near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. My advice would be it's better to have a short, attentive prayer than a long-winded prayer that puts you to sleep. It's better to be short and be fully present than to be long and asleep. Third, it's to be persistent. Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. There's an, an invitation that to, 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 to keep coming back to Him, to keep asking, to keep knocking, to, to not give up, to be persistent. To be fervent, number four, to be fervent. This is kind of closely associated, but there's an intensity not a half-hearted prayer. I'm not saying uh, build up an emotion, but I'm saying be fully present the, an intensity. I know when I'm not being intense in my prayers, when I'm not being all present and all there, is when um, when in the morning, and I'm still maybe half asleep, and I'm not all there, and I, I thank the Lord for the food we're about to eat. I'm not even eating. There's not even food in front of me. I'm just like, okay, Lord. I'm just going through the motions. But to to be there, to be present, to be be fervent. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful, James 5.16 says. This is a big one. Number five is to be honest. Jesus said, do not be like them. Do not be like the Pharisees. Do not be like the pagans. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. God knows what we need. He he knows what's going on in our lives. There's nothing we can hide from God, so we might as well be honest. And yet the smartest of us at times, we try to hide from God. The, The psalmist David, he did this. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he had murdered her husband, Uriah. He was trying to cover it up, trying to gloss over it, pretend it didn't happen. And and look at what what his prayer was or, or his recording of what happened. He said, when I kept silent, Psalm 32, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then... Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Lying is exhausting. Confession is freeing. When we lie to ourselves, when we try to hide uh, we're not hiding anything from God, but it just zaps us of all of our energy and all of our strength. But when we confess, the opposite of what we think happens. We think condemnation's coming. We think humiliation's coming. We think, we think shame is coming. But when we confess grace, the barn doors of grace comes open because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And, and when we confess There is, when we're, it's being real, it's being raw, it's being repentful. There's such a freedom in that. Proverbs 28, 9 says this, if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. And that's what David was experiencing. He was experiencing something that was between him and God. And the way to get that out of the way is to confess it to him. Number six is purposeful. The Lord's prayer gives us, kind of a purposeful way to pray. There's other ways, but to be purposeful in our prayer, again, better to be short and purposeful, not going to impress God with how long it is. And finally is this, is confident. Passionate prayer is confident, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That, that there's, a, there's a crying out. And, and this isn't a crying of sorrow. This is a crying of joy. This is a cry of joy coming to his to his to his daddy. Abba means daddy. It, it, it's an affectionate term. My, my girls, now that they're older, when they're around you, they're going to call me dad. But my favorite thing is when they call me in private, when they call me daddy. And I, we do that. I, I, you don't hear me praying probably very often. I'm not real comfortable. Not that we couldn't. But I don't pray publicly, Abba, Father, or Daddy. I, I could, and I, I know maybe I should. But there's that, there's that respect. But we're children of God. And when we're private, it's not that you have to say daddy or Abba, but to know your position as, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You're deeply loved by him. He, our, we love it when our kids pick up the phone and call us or when they come to us and they talk to us. Our heavenly father loves it when we talk to him. He loves it when we come to him. And so this is not a cry of sorrow or shame. It's a cry of, it's a cry of joy. It's that we've been adopted into his family. This is the good news. God wants us to pray. I just wanna encourage you a couple things. Maybe we're a church of next steps and we want people to take their next steps. One of your next steps might be is what some have, have been encouraged by is giving God your first 15. Giving God the first 15 minutes. When your feet hit the floor, give God your best. Give him the first of your day. Give him five minutes praising him. Maybe listen to a worship song that draws you close to him. Give five minutes in prayer and give five minutes in the word. But give God your first. Take that step in praying and giving him your first. I, I've been praying, God, what would you have us do corporately? What, I, I believe that our, our church needs to grow and become more of a house of prayer, not just a place of preaching. And we don't always have enough time to do that on Sunday mornings. God hears our short prayers, but I think there's times where we need to come together and pray. And so uh, we're gonna start the first of every month. On typically it's gonna be Wednesday nights, but this first month in April, we're gonna do it on Good Friday, on Friday night. We're gonna have a time of praise and prayer and worship. We're gonna have a time to come together. We're gonna praise God, we're gonna worship Him, but we're gonna lay our needs before Him. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pray together. Doesn't mean you'll be praying out loud. It doesn't mean you'll be made to feel uncomfortable, but there's something about coming together as God's people. And so we're going to give God our first Wednesday, something that my, I've heard some other churches doing this. My Reagan's been going to first Wednesday at her church in Florida, a large church. They give the first Wednesday. I love the idea of give first Wednesday. So normally it's going to be first Wednesday, but this first time it's going to be first Friday. I think it's uh, April 7th. Um, Yeah, April 7th. Normally it's going to be first Wednesday. We're going to come together as a church. Everyone's invited. And we're going to have a night of prayer. We're going to seek God for our for our families. We're going to seek God for our church. We're going to seek God for our community. We're going to seek God for our nation and for our world. But we are going to pray and seek God. It'll be about an hour service, but we're going to do that on the first of every month. We're going to we're going to praise and pray and seek His face. So put Good Friday six thirty on your calendar. It might change to seven, but six thirty seven. We'll let you know for certain. The the thing in your uh, on this morning. In preparation kind of for that, there's a thing that says big ask. And I just, I believe that we need to grow in our confidence that we have a a heavenly Father who wants to reward us, who, who wants to help us, who wants to give good gifts, which are the best gifts or the eternal gifts. He wants to do these things. And so are there some things that we've given up praying for because we're just like, this is too big. This is too big. God's got bigger fish to fry. He's got more important things to do. He's got other people. But you have something. And maybe you know what it is or maybe it's something that you have been putting off on praying for because you're just like, this is too big. I'm just encouraging you today on that little sheet in front of you that says the big ask or the bold ask, I want you to boldly write out what you are asking God to do for you or what you're asking God to do for your family, or what you're asking God to do in your business or at work, whatever. It may be one or two things, but there's a place on there to write that, and, and we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for that on the first Wednesdays or first Fridays. Maybe it's so personal and you're like, I'm not putting my name on it. That's okay. God knows what it is. It's not important that anybody knows what it is. But to pray that prayer that, that God, what, what is it? What, what is it that you have on your heart? that you're like, God, I need you to do a miracle. I need you to do something in my marriage. I need you to do something in, in my life. I need you to do something in my children. I need you to do something in our finances. I need you to do something in my life. But to write that prayer request, if your name's on it, that's fine. That's great. Your name doesn't have to be on it. But we're going we're gonna, to uh, encourage you to put that, to write that out, put that in your giving box this week or next week on your way out the doors. And then we're going to have those out on the nights that we pray. This year. And we're going to pray. We're going to come together and we're going to pray over those things. So I want to encourage you to boldly ask God, what do you want God? What do you need God to do for you? And finally, the greatest and boldest and best thing that God can do for you is when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And maybe to, you're here today and you haven't taken that step yet of faith. A relationship with Jesus Christ is not about you earning deserving. It's about you receiving. It's about you accepting his gift for you. And then he'll help you follow. He'll help you follow him. You just come to him as you are. But this morning, there may be someone I'm going to pray for us this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in prayer this morning. Believing that there's long lasting results when we get passionate about prayer, believing that God wants to do great things in and through us, but the greatest work he wants to do is forgive us. If your head's bowed and your eyes closed this morning, just in the quiet of this moment, the best thing that God could do for you today is to give you a relationship with him. No one's looking around. Your eyes are closed this morning. This is very simple. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. but If you want to take that step, you don't even know fully what that means, but you just know God's inviting you into a relationship with him by receiving his son, Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, would you just quietly raise your hand that I can pray for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Thank you. Thank you. I see those. Even if I don't see them, God sees them. We're going to pray a prayer this morning. And we're going to pray it. We've, we pray this often here. It's a commitment prayer. It's an affirmation of our faith. But it's also for those who raise their hand this morning that they're not praying alone. They can boldly and confidently pray this together. So would you uh, open your eyes. Let's pray this prayer as a statement of our faith and also for those who are praying this today to receive Christ. Just repeat after me. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That he gave his life to forgive my sins. And he was raised from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, right now in this moment. For those who by faith prayed this prayer, maybe for the first time or coming back to you, Lord, would you bear witness as you tell us you will in this last verse that we shared today, would your spirit bear witness with their spirit that they're a child of God, they're loved by you, and your best days for them are yet ahead, in Jesus' name, amen.